The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. Take advantage of lightning-fast score updates and live odds to ensure you never miss a beat when you've got skin in the game. Download now on iOS and Android, available in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, and New Jersey, 21+. plus. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, contact 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Visit thescore.bet for more details. Now let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Great to have you listening today. Always appreciate you being a part of what we do here and this might be one of the most important episodes of the season because the fantasy playoffs are here. That means winner advances, loser leaves town every week here until we crown the champion. So you got to be even more prepared than usual. And that's why I went right to the top of our list of guests to a man who has been a regular on the show here at least once or twice each season for the last couple of years. One of my favorite dudes in the entire industry. Derek Browner, as you might know him, D-Bro, just killing it over at FTN. He's on the Fade the Chalk podcast as well with Adam Pfeiffer, and we finally had Adam on as a guest earlier this season. He's great, too. Highly recommend checking that show out, and you can follow D-Bro on Twitter, at D-Bro underscore FFB, and we got to get him in here because I I don't want to delay any longer. Mr. Brown, welcome back to the show, buddy. How are you feeling here? We're heading into the final stretch, the... The main fantasy season is over. We're on to the playoffs. How you doing? Boone, oh man, it's so good to be back on the show. Thank you again for having me, man. But it's it's been a wild ride. Like it, I just we talked about this before we turned the mics on. It's been utter chaos this week. Like all the news, everything coming out, whether it's injuries and other stuff. Um, I'm just trying to adjust, man. Just trying to limber up, stay flexible in these last few weeks of of fantasy playoffs in the regular season before we get to the actual playoffs of the NFL. So this season has been insane and it's not slowing down, man. So you just got to stay liquid. You got to stay flexible in these times. Well, and here's a perfect example. Right before we came on, we found out DeAndre Hopkins getting shut down for the regular season here. He -hmm. went for a second opinion today, obviously didn't get the diagnosis he was hoping for. And so the Cardinals are just going to play it safe here. They're going to let him rest up for January, which means he won't be making an impact on the fantasy playoffs. And Debro, this is fresh. So we didn't really talk about it much before the show. You didn't know I was going to ask you this. We are just giving our opinion as we start here. How is this going to impact Arizona's offense? Now we got Nook out of the picture here. Guys like Christian Kirk, AJ Green, all of a sudden they could have pretty serious roles down the stretch. I mean, this really, for me, it's the biggest bump to AJ Green. He has been the only full-time wide receiver for the Cardinals all year opposite of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Antoine Wesley now comes back into the picture. He's going to be starting on the outside. The guy that like, honestly, like this doesn't help a ton is Rondell Moore, because even when the team has had chances, when Hopkins has been out previously, they haven't made him a full-time wide receiver. Like, we saw this last year. I mean, even last week, Boone. Like, they had the chance to sit there and give Rondell Moore some more runs, spread the Rams out with four wide a bunch, and they're running James Conner out of the slot over Rondell Moore. So, I think it's a massive bump to A.J. Green if he's somehow out there on waivers. You, got, I would be blowing the clip on him. 
Like, I think that he is the guy that's going to lead the passing attack. Christian Kirk gets a bump as well. Those are the two main guys that I look at as really getting the sizable equity bump. But A.J. Green has had the high value touches, man. Like, he's had the deep roll. He's had the red zone and the end zone targets all season long. So, he's really the guy that I think that gets the most sizable bump from this. And you can look at him as... In this, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm being crazy here, but like low end wide receiver two at worst, high end three moving forward. I mean, is is that kind of how you're viewing Green moving forward, or am I a little bit too high here? Yeah, I had someone ask me today about Amonra St. Brown, who was my top pickup for receivers in my waiver wire column on Monday, and I said I'm taking both the Cardinals guys over him now. Like they have to be right up there. You put them. You have to. And it's funny because. Hopkins had come down a little bit. He wasn't quite the wide receiver one for fantasy that he had been in previous seasons. And part of it was because they had other weapons and they were spreading the ball around there. And obviously James Conner stealing a lot of touchdowns as well. And James Conner, he's listed as day to day right now. We'll see if he can overcome the ankle injury and play, which a great matchup this week. They're playing against the Lions. Chase Edmonds might be back. I mean, just with the Cardinals, there's so many moving pieces here, D-Row. But yeah, I'm mm-hmm. looking at Kirk and, and Green right now as kind of low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver threes with a lot of upside now. Oh, absolutely. And I know Murray's been running more over the last two to three weeks, but really th- this offense is predicated on passing the ball. They're going to sit here and air it out. Um, Kyler has still been one of the most efficient, uh, if not the most efficient quarterback in the NFL throwing deep this year. And that's going to be a lot of A.J. Green. So I I love him. I think that people need to be prioritizing him. And I'd feel great about walking into the fantasy playoffs with him as my flex or wide receiver three if you play in a league that does start three wide receivers. All right. Well, we'll go from a guy in Hopkins who used to just be an automatic start. Now, obviously, not going to be in any lineups down the stretch here. But I want to know, who meets that criteria for you? Who is the the players who you just have supreme confidence in? Because this time of year, it's do or die. You want to be able to put these guys in your lineup that you can feel really good about, that you're not kind of wavering on or debating against someone else. And we can avoid the the obvious, like, you know, the top five guys at each position. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to talk about them. They're just too obvious. That's a low-hanging fruit. But I want to know. Who are you trusting in your lineup over the next three weeks? Because there's some big name players out there who, whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because they're banged up, or maybe they're just not performing well. Like I think of a guy like Zeke who has that big name value, but he's clearly not 100% right now. The production just hasn't been there for him. So while some people might just feel like they automatically have to put him in their lineup, I'm not so sure. I would hope that maybe I have a better option, but... We'll see. I mean, he's a guy you could look at like Hopkins where, I mean, you could make an argument the Cowboys should just shut him down and get him healthy for January as well. But either way, we're not going to talk about that. I want to go position by position here and I'll toss out a couple names too. But the goal here is just to figure out who are you trusting the most at each position over the course of the fantasy playoffs here. So let's start with quarterback. Which QB are you going with? So I, I could easily pick out Taysom Hill as being a guy that I, I trust walking into the fantasy playoffs. But for people out there, especially like 12-team, 14-team leagues, I want to go a little bit deeper and, and give some love to a guy that I've been high on all year and hasn't gotten enough love to this point, and that's Tua, man. I think that I would be fine walking into the playoffs with him as my quarterback, and people might be shocked by that. But Miami is top five in, in pace all season long, top five in passing rate in neutral situations. And you look at Tua, he's been solid, Boone. Like seven full games, three top 12 weeks. He's only had one over the last four where he's finished outside of QB 14. And the schedule lines up, man. Like 
He gets the Jets, which I don't have to spit a lot of like stats to people about the Jets. It's the freaking <laughs> Jets. Like they're terrible against all things defense. So then he gets the Saints and the Tennessee Titans over these next three weeks. And the Saints have actually been good to opposing quarterbacks. 12th most fantasy points uh, scored, and they're allowing uh, a lot of production on the ground. They've given up the most rushing touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks. Two has actually got three scores on the ground, so extra equity there. And Tennessee is one of those defenses, like kind of like Chicago, that I look at as, if you, as long as you don't throw in the direction of Christian Fulton, you're good, man. They give up a lot of production, top five matchup for slot wide receivers. So again, with Jalen Waddell being that de facto number one, he, maybe he shares that with Parker. But down the stretch, I like Tua for all the reasons I stated, as well as we know they're going to run a lot of plays. And with everything in their backfield going on right now, do they lean on the run? Eh, possibly, but I really think they're going to continue to air the ball out. So I, I feel good about him moving forward. Yeah, I want to talk about that backfield a little more in a second, but... Yeah, I mean, you've come to the right place here. I've talked about Tua all season long. The guy continues to produce. I don't know why everyone was so down on him. I talked to him before the season, so people don't want to hear me talk about Tua anymore, but just know I'm completely on board with you with that call, and yeah, I love the matchups too. I think he's going to be a great player over the course of the, the fantasy playoffs here. I'm going to go a little bit higher, so... My guy, he's close to the top five of the position. I, I looked at it. I think most people have him just outside of that. I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers here because... I know everybody just looks at the vaccination stuff that happened earlier in the season and then it transitioned to the toe injury talk over the last month. But in the last three games, since we got word of that toe injury, Rodgers has just been unstoppable here. 385 yards and four touchdowns against the Vikings, 307 and two touchdowns against the Rams. That's a tough matchup. And he added a rushing score in that one. And then 341 yards and four touchdowns against the Bears last week. He's been a top three fantasy quarterback each of those weeks. Just playing absolutely lights out at the moment. His matchups in the fantasy playoffs, they're not bad at all. The Ravens giving up the ninth most fantasy points to QBs. That's who he gets this week. The Browns are sort of middle of the pack, but like I mentioned, he put up good points against the Rams, so I'm not really worried about that matchup. And then he finishes in the fantasy championship against the Vikings, who he just destroyed a few weeks ago. So I know some people don't like him for a variety of reasons. He's a bit of a polarizing personality, but I am happy to be starting Rodgers at this point in the year anywhere that I have him, and I think he's going to be on more than a few fantasy championship rosters. Yeah, I like that call. All the matchups line up great, and I, I've I've shed a lot of love um, in various waiver episodes of Fade the Chalk about MVS because if you look at uh, how these these defenses operate that he gets down the, the stretch, they give up a lot of production as far as deep passing. So I think if you're looking at outcomes to ceiling week, which we're hoping for for all of the fantasy playoffs, and to the ability to win you a week, I agree with you. I think Rodgers absolutely has that in his bag to be able to do for people. All right, let's go with the next position here. Who you got for running backs? Who are you feeling confident in? So I know it's a situation a lot of people have just not loved and, and, and for a lot of different reasons. And even Melvin Gordon himself came out and discussed in the media about how like people don't like him for fantasy. Did you feel? Did you feel bad for him? I felt so bad I for did, him when he said man. that. I felt really bad for him, and it's like we all love Javante Williams, but I'm gonna give some love to Melvin Gordon in this spot. Like, and I think both of these Denver running backs. Part of this is the position in fantasy right now, and it's so gross, it's so terrible, and it's not getting better that you need to look at Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon as low-end RB2s weekly or high-end flexes that can get into the RB2 conversation quite easily. Because over the last few weeks, 
They're basically getting the same amount of volume. Both of them have 14 and 17 touches per game. They're both hovering around 80 total yards per game. Melvin Gordon, over his last five games, Boone, has scored six times. So as much as people might hate that Melvin Gordon is still involved, if you have him on your roster, he's in RB2 conversation on a weekly basis, and they get Cincinnati, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Now, the Bengals have been good as far as a run defense this year. So is that a great matchup? No. So, again, I want to give context here. I don't feel as good about Cincinnati this week, depending on your options. But these next two matchups after that, we know you can run on the Raiders. We know you can run on the Chargers. So both of these guys, I would be starting them with confidence walking into the playoffs for fantasy. Yeah, and that's really what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm playing both those guys, like you said, low-end RB2s, and they got upside for more if they can find the end zone. And really, it's also about who's in that range. Like, you start to look at a lot of teams right now. I got a question about this on the Mailbag Show on Friday. A lot of teams right now are transitioning to have two backs. It's not really strange for a team to mm-hmm. do that anymore. You don't have a lot of these workhorse guys. So when you look at kind of once you get past RB15 or 16 or so, you look in that range and you start to have these double ups where it's two players from the same team just because if it's a solid rushing attack and the Broncos continue to put up numbers, they can still put up pretty good points for fantasy. And that's kind of the world we have to live in now where you have to, whether it was, you know, Tony Pollard before he got hurt, he was the guy that snuck up into that range. Kareem Hunt's hurt as well, but he's a guy who's been in that range for a couple of years now where the second running back on a team is still a fantasy starter. And that's just the way it is. There's just not, you're not going to find 24 workhorse backs out there. And we, we never will. If anything, it's going to continue to go in that direction. I do want to talk about a guy who is kind of that bell cow or workhorse back. And it's David Montgomery for me. Since he came back from that injury in week nine, he's just been dominating that Bears backfield. At least 15 touches in each of the last five games. In his last three specifically, we've seen him post yardage totals of 74, 141, and 81. He's only found the end zone once during that time, but he has been really involved as a pass catcher. 17 receptions during that last three-game span. And then we look ahead to his opponents in the fantasy playoffs. The Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Giants, all three rank among the 10 easiest matchups for fantasy running backs. And we saw him take advantage of really favorable matchups last year down the stretch. I think he's going to do it again here. So Montgomery, to me, looking really good at this point in the season. Yeah, I like the Montgomery call. I mean, basically, for a lot of these different guys over the last two to three weeks, we talked about they get all the work, legit all the work. So like Sonny Michelle in the last two to three weeks, James Conner. David Montgomery is the discount version of James Conner, what he's been doing. Like David Montgomery is going to play 90 to 95% of the snaps and run routes And with the ascension, like, I easily could have brought up Justin Fields in our quarterback talk because he's been a top 12 quarterback over the last three games he's played. So with him playing better, it just means more scoring chances for David Montgomery in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I I really, really like him right now. And you got to look at these guys kind of differently. You're talking about Melvin Gordon, Javante kind of in that RB2 range with the chance for RB1. I really think David Montgomery, like I'm talking about with all these different backs and a lot of guys getting hurt and not as much volume out there for some of those guys. David Montgomery, 100% could be a top 10, top 12 back down the stretch here. I think we're going to see that. I really do. 
Uh, all right, let's let's keep going here though. We we you and I we end up talking forever on these shows. That we, you know we we push to go for the record for longest episode. I always try to keep it as tight as possible. But I know when you're going to be on, we're going to talk for a while. But let's keep moving here. We'll go to receivers. Who's a receiver that you feel really good about that you trust? A guy that crushed us in the early season, but I, I, his production you cannot shy away from over the last few weeks is Brandon Ayuk. There's no way I'm taking him out of a starter spot in my lineup since week eight, 20% target share in every single game. And over the last six games, he's had four weeks as the wide receiver 30 or better. So I love the matchups coming down the stretch. He gets Atlanta, Tennessee, who I just talked about is a fraud. And then he gets the Texans. So on a team where San Francisco is known to run the ball a ton, Brandon Ayuk's probably got the safest role in this passing attack because Debo has now been playing as a running back. We've seen what Kittle's done. So I I love Brandon Ayuk. Like, he's going to be locked into a starting spot regardless of, you know, if you have other guys you're wrestling with, like maybe players in the same ilk of of range, like Mike Williams. I'd be starting Brandon Ayuk, and and people might roll their eyes at that. Brandon Ayuk, I'd be starting easily over Mike Williams right now. Yeah, when he was in the doghouse early in the season, I was trying to get him in Dynasty everywhere I could, and a lot of smart managers held on to him, but I was able to get him a couple more spots, and I had a lot of faith in him before the season. I overdrafted him in a a few leagues just because I wanted to make sure he was on my roster, and I held him all the way through that tough part, and I'm glad we're finally seeing it, and yeah, I'm totally on board with you. I think he's a wide receiver too right now. And I think he's going to have a, a big final stretch here. I want to talk about another guy that I was big on before the season, T. Higgins. In the second half of the year here, I know, and you and I talked about this, for some reason T. Higgins came up before the show and we were kind of talking about mm-hmm. him. But if you look at what he did, I was kind of surprised because as a T. Higgins manager, I just remembered that first part of the season where he wasn't really producing and there was an injury. He missed a couple games there and he had a couple bad games because of it. But when I went back and actually looked at the game logs, He came out and had two pretty good games at the beginning of the season, 50, 60 yards, a touchdown in each game in the first two weeks. Then he got hurt, missed a couple. Then he came back and clearly wasn't 100%, didn't put up good stats for a few weeks. And then after that, really started to come on. Seven for 62, four for 97, six for 78. Then he had a down game, had a two-catch 15-yard outing in week 11. And then after that, he has just taken it to another level. The last three games, over 110 yards in each game. So it's crazy to think about if he didn't get hurt early in the year, would we have seen this kind of production all year long? What would that have meant for Jamar Chase's breakout early in the season? None of it matters now. He's healthy at this point. He's balling out. I couldn't be more confident about him in my lineup. And we look at it here and he is a guy that it would not surprise me. We've seen him outproducing Chase at this point. This is what we talked about before the season when everyone's healthy there. Higgins could very well be the more productive wide hope between the two. They're both great. I'm not trying to disparage either of them. But Higgins could continue to be the more productive out of the two. Yeah, I don't disagree. You look over the last four weeks, he's leading the team in air yard share, target share. I mean, he's been a stud, Boone. And I think that's going to continue down the stretch, too. So I agree. I love the call. All right, we'll round this out with tight ends here. This is going to be the hardest one because outside of like the top five or six guys, it gets really, really dicey for tight end. I'm curious who you have here. I'm curious if it's going to be the same guy for both of us because we didn't compare notes beforehand. So who are you going with? I wrestled back <laughs> Fourth on names for this for the longest time because we're like, okay, can't go top five guys. Oh Lord, who I feel good about. I'm gonna <laughs> head back to Arizona. Um, but and this is I, I wrote all this up before the Hopkins news, but that's also a feather in his cap. Zach Ertz is a guy that since he arrived in Arizona, 17% target share. He has seven red zone targets. He's and the bar is low, Boone, for for tight ends. We know this. 
So you're really looking at, does he have a chance to score? Is he getting enough yardage? If he gets into the end zone, he's probably going to be a top 10, top 12 guy on any weekly basis. He's had 40 uh, 40 yards or more in five or seven games. I know that doesn't sound like a ton, but again, he gets in the end zone in those games. And we saw even last week versus the Rams, tough matchup for the tight end position. Kyler kept looking his way. He easily could have had a score in that game. And now you look down the stretch, he gets Detroit, Indy, and Dallas. You're looking at three teams that are 24th, 25th, and 15th. None of those are tough matchups as far as DVOA versus the position. Zach Ertz is a, is a guy that I think can garner close to an 18 to 20% target share moving forward in this offense. And he's going to be a top 12 guy moving forward and maybe even fall into a few top five weeks if everything breaks right for him. Yeah, no arguments for me there. And maybe even it might be the forgotten man when everyone's talking about Hopkins. I feel like often people don't look to the running backs, the tight ends as well, where obviously mm-hmm. it's going to be more volume, more targets for them when a big player like Hopkins goes out. I'll finish up this section and just say Dallas Goddard for me. Coming off his biggest game of the year, six catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns. That was with Gardner Minshew at the helm. There is a chance that Gardner Minshew could be the starter again this week. Jalen Hurts dealing with a high ankle sprain. They're both getting reps in practice with the first team offense right now. So we're not sure if Hurts is going to be able to play or not. Nick Sirianni said that he's optimistic. Things are moving in the right direction. So I still think I ranked Hurts in my initial rankings, but we'll see. It's very possible that Minshew could still play. Regardless, I like Goddard. He gets Washington twice in the fantasy playoffs. He gets the Giants sandwiched in between those two. And his last game against Washington, another 100-yard effort last year. 8-101 and a touchdown in that game. And Washington's middle in the pack uh, in terms of fantasy points given up to tight ends. But sometimes you have to look a little further. Sometimes that could be schedule-based. Who did they face? Because we were talking about how there are not a lot of great tight ends out there. So if you just go look at the top you know, 10 fantasy tight ends, how many of them did they play? Well, there's three of them on the list here. How did they do against Washington? Travis Kelsey, 8 for 99. Kyle Pitts, 4 for 50. Dawson Knox, 4 for 49 and a touchdown. So those guys all had pretty good weeks against Washington. Goddard's going to get them twice in the next three games here. And, you know, after the surefire starters, Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, I'd put Gronk in there. I'm not sure if anybody else belongs. I mean, Hawkinson, when he's healthy, I would probably include up in that group as the next guy. But after them, I think Goddard deserves to be right up in the next tier there. And I agree with you with Ertz as well. I think they're both really good plays down the stretch. Yeah, I love the Goddard call because his usage, and we finally saw him have the explosive game, but his usage since Ertz left, has already been elite. Like his his routes run per drop back, target share, and the explosive games haven't been there. So he's due. He's due down the stretch to sit here and have and cobble together a few more really, really good games for us. So I agree. I am shocked, and we've talked about this on the show before. I'm shocked that you and I didn't end up with the same person at any of those positions. Normally, we think quite similar on some of this stuff. Fortunately for everybody out there, we got to talk about more guys because we didn't end up with the same ones. But I wanted to start with that stuff because... I didn't really want to begin with all the COVID news that's hit this week, mm-hmm. but we do have to talk about it, right? I just thought that'd be kind of a bummer to start the show that way. I didn't want people to tune out right away, but we got to talk about it. We've just, whether it's, you know, the weather getting colder, cases ramping back up, there have been a ton of players added to the COVID list over the last week, week and a half here. So just to go over some of the names, I mean, Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Quez Watkins, Kadarius Tony. There were more, too. I mean, we could include the offensive linemen. The Browns are just having a really tough time with this. Wyatt Teller, Jedrick Wills, those guys are out. 
two of their best blockers. The offensive line there is obviously one of their strengths. So that really hurts them on top of those other skill position players being out. And we say this every time. I mean, if they're vaccinated, yes, if they can get two negative tests, they could possibly play. But that hasn't happened that much this year. And there has been a couple false positives. But overall, guys tend to miss at least one game when they end up on the COVID list. So if they can't get cleared this week, is there anybody on those offenses that you think could step up kind of in their absence? You don't have to go team by team at all. Just looking at all mm-hmm. those offenses of those teams I mentioned, just anybody that you think could really be impacted, a player who could maybe weirdly benefit. I don't know if that's the right word, but benefit fantasy-wise, let's say, from all those sudden COVID cases. Uh, there's a few names that kind of jump out um, immediately. I mean, with the Browns, especially with their... I mean, the problem with the Cleveland offense is that you just never know where the ball was going to go. Well, now the options have been pared down a little bit. I think DPJ stands out as a guy who could lead their wide receivers and targets. Um, if, if Njoku comes back, him and Harrison Bryant, if it's only one guy there, I think you could look to them. The the main player that I want to mention here, though, is because I think a lot of people with hearing the Odell news, they're going to go back to Van Jefferson. They're going to talk about him getting the bump. But you mentioned the false positive. Tyler Higby is a guy that I think that get, gets a massive bump this week especially going against Seattle. I mean, they're 21st in DVOA. They've allowed the six most receiving yards, fourth most touchdowns to the position. He's a guy that I, th- I would feel confident, and I know the production hasn't been there the entire season. I feel confident rolling him out as a starter and probably going to be ranking him as a top 10 tight end on the week um, when I finalize my ranks. And I'd even mention the guys. There were more last week. Like late last week, we found out Daryl Henderson on the Rams as well. We'll see if he can get back this week. Otherwise... Sonny Michelle might see another huge workload. The Dolphins' backs, you kind of touched on them briefly there. Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, Philip Lindsay all ended up on the list. Does that leave anybody in Miami's backfield who you might be interested in for fantasy this week? I mean, Malcolm Brown, he's on IR, but he's back practicing today. Duke Johnson's there. Jared Doak's preseason darling. Everybody loved him. Maybe he'd have a shot to do something. He's there. Anybody who you'd stash just in case, or are you staying away from this one? And I do, we'll, we'll bring it up again. They're going up against the Jets, right? Like, that's a great matchup mm-hmm. for this backfield if they decide to roll with just one of those guys. I think the only guy that jumps out to me is a stash. And, and to get up here in stashes again before uh, mentioning Miami and stuff, if Dearness Johnson is out there, it only literally takes, and with everything coming out of Cleveland right now, it takes Nick Chubb getting ruled out for Dearness Johnson to go right back into the role we've seen previously. So if he's out there, you need to stash him. But in Miami, Malcolm Brown probably is the guy, that, and it's nasty, it's gross, I get it, people. But he stands out as the guy that I would be stashing in that backfield. Uh, we don't know if Miles Gaskin is going to come back. Like you talked about, Boone, like we've seen cases, and, and, and you can't just treat this as a, as a blanket. Like Amari Cooper came back, and he still wasn't even 100%. So even if one of these guys gets cleared... We can't assume that Miles Gaskin is going to just repeat his role as the lead back. Malcolm Brown is the guy that they've trusted in a lot of different aspects all season long when he's been out there. He's a guy that literally could get 15 to 18 touches this week in the best matchup literally for running backs in fantasy. So I think of Malcolm Brown, if he comes off the IR, he's the guy that stands out to me. All right, I've got another AFC East backfield question for you here. And this one more up at the top of the fantasy rankings than looking at the Dolphins backfield. But we know Bill Belichick loves to focus on an offensive strength, trying to neutralize it. Doesn't always work, but he's coming off a bye, had two weeks to prepare for the Colts here. Who do you think is going to win that battle? Jonathan Taylor, the Colts rushing attack, 
going up against that great Patriots defense. Can they actually slow Taylor down this week? Is there any reason why fantasy managers should be worried there? No, not in the not in the slightest. Jonathan Taylor <laughs> is on a heater, and I just don't think the Patriots can stop them. You look at the Colts, they're top three in run blocking. Jonathan Taylor is top three in, I mean, every elusivity metric that you look at. And even if they could stop them on the ground, Boone, it's a top five matchup for receiving back. So if Taylor's running routes, he legit can get there just via the passing game against a team that's, I talked about, they're 28th in DVOA. They've given up the fourth most receiving yards to opposing backs. Taylor could get there just literally off of checkdowns. I can't tell if the dogs in the background are are for that or against that. They're clearly trying to chime in, though. I don't know if they he's, agree with you or disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just chiming in on the Jonathan Taylor love. I mean, I, I've talked about him enough times this year and loved him. Uh, the family's getting into it as well. <laughs> nice. All right. You'll remember this question from the previous uh, preview episodes that we've had you on in the, in the past. We always ask this one near the end of the show. I want you to tell me which players do you think, or it could be one player, it could be many players, who you think are being overlooked this week. And you could take it a bunch of different ways. There's really no wrong answer here. It's just your chance to kind of shine the light on somebody you think deserves it this week. So who's that for you? I absolutely love Gabriel Davis this week. Love him this week. With Emmanuel Sanders being out, Carolina, and we saw this last week, Boone, like Stephon Gilmore was a full-time cornerback for, I think it was the first game all season for Carolina. And with that, he followed Russell Gage on 64% of his routes. So I don't think it's insane that he could follow Stefan Diggs in this game. Gabriel Davis is going to see a myriad of awesome matchups in that game. If, if Diggs does get the shadow, heck, even if he doesn't, as the full-time guy, like he's been super productive anytime he's gotten targets. You're looking at a guy that's 11th in fantasy points per target, 20th in fantasy points per route that he's run this year. And he's eighth in passer rating when he's been targeted. So he's a guy I'm going to rank aggressively. I feel good about starting him on a pass-first offense for Buffalo. And this is all assuming that Josh Allen is good to go, which I, from all the reports and things in the weeds that we've kind of heard so far, it sounds like he's going to play this week. So I, I feel are you including, great about Are you including Jared, Jared Smola's uh, sources <laughs> there? Josh Allen was at the Hamilton show and he was walking around without a limp? <laughs> I saw that out on Twitter and I was like, oh man, Jared's Jared's giving people the good info. He's he's pulling his rap report out here. Uh, yeah, we've had I mean, we've had Jared on the we, show before. Jared's <laughs> awesome. I, I love it too that you you talked up AJ Green earlier. You're talking up Gabe Davis right now. One of my matchups in one of my leagues back home with a bunch of buddies. My opponent picked up AJ Green to play in his flex spot. I picked up Gabe Davis this week to play in my flex spot. Those guys are going to go head to head. I can't wait to see how that one turns out. I I can't wait to see it either, man. It's going to be interesting. And I think Gabe Davis could walk away with a fantastic game in this matchup. All right. We made it to the final phase of the show here this year. You haven't gone through this yet. I don't think this year we've been doing rapid fire questions at the end of the show. We want you to go through the gauntlet before you can escape so we'll go lightning round you can give one sentence two sentences of context if you want we kind of encourage that it, it helps right it's tough to just give that one word or one name answer but we'll try to get through these pretty quick here are you ready yeah let's go all right which injured qb are you more worried about this week and i'm guessing we know the answer lamar jackson or josh allen who we just talked about uh it's lamar i mean he's been so bad as a passer lately and his his equity's tied so much to rushing it's definitely lamar and they signed uh josh johnson as well kind of one of those veteran quarterbacks that bounces around the league whenever someone needs someone and that makes you a little more worried that maybe lamar won't be ready to go it doesn't mean he won't be but 
they're clearly preparing just in case that that's a possibility there. Are you concerned about Nick Chubb's ceiling with Wyatt Teller and Jedrick Wills with the offensive line being the strength? I know you talked up Dearness Johnson. The offensive line really helps that rushing attack so much. And I know Nick Chubb is fantastic. We always talk about him as one of the, the most talented running backs in the league. Are you worried about him at all with all the injuries around him on that offense? No, I think it's one of the rare times that we see Cleveland lean, uh, especially on the rushing attack here, considering all the reasons in Case Keenum possibly starting. I still feel good about Chubb. I think he's still going to have a good game. Here's a tough one. Who would you rather start this week, Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris? And Harris, for the Ramondre. record, Harris Harris dealing with the hamstring issue, had that before the bye, came back this week, limited practices, not sure if he's going to play or not, but assuming they're both playing, who are you going with? I'll go Stevenson, and I'll look at them in the same light. They have the same floor, but Stevenson has the ceiling. Anything happens to Harris in-game, and Stevenson's the one that's going to get the bulk of the run. Yeah, another one of those backfields like I'm talking about where it's split between two guys. Even Brandon Bolden gets involved a little bit, but kind of both those guys could be fantasy starters for you depending on the week. Can you trust James Robinson in fantasy lineups? I'm going to answer your question with a question, Boone. Uh, is Urban Meyer still the the head coach in Jacksonville? If the answer is yes, then no, I can't. I can't at all. No way. Uh, I feel bad too because I advised a, a friend to go and acquire him in a league just looking at that that playoff schedule that he was going to have here and now it's going to all be for naught sadly I, I just i i don't feel like you can trust him at all we talked about that earlier we could go the other way with it who don't you trust james robinson is like top of the list of guys that you can't really trust at this point uh which out of nowhere running back will help lead fantasy managers to a title this year Oof, i'm gonna go off the page with this one and i'm gonna bring up a name in deep leagues i'm gonna go Corey clement and for all the injury issues we've We've heard about, we've talked about in recent weeks with Dallas. He's literally the only guy that could be left standing. If Zeke gets hurt, Pollard gets hurt. They have Jaquan Hardy on the practice squad out of Tiffin. It's, it's got to be Corey Clement. He's a guy I would stash anywhere that I had room to. Well, it's just a good reminder, too, with all the COVID stuff. These backfields, you never know. You could go into Saturday with everybody in the backfield healthy, and all of a sudden you find out that one or two guys end up in the COVID list, and all of a sudden the third stringer is getting the start, right? Like, anything is possible, let alone a backfield like the Cowboys, where you already have the top two guys a little banged up there. Uh, which tight end outside of the top 12 would you take a chance on this week? It's either going back to Cleveland and talking about Njoku or Harrison Bryant if they play and we'll see how that sifts out, or it's going to Ricky Seals-Jones. He gets the Philadelphia Eagles. They've been the flow chart for tight ends all year, so it's really those options for me. All right, and then the last two here, we're going to turn the spotlight on you. I saw people in the fantasy community this week, they were talking about their biggest hits this year, their biggest misses. So, Debro, what was, we'll just go first with the negative and we'll end with the positive. What was your biggest miss going back to your pre-draft <laughs> rankings here? What was your biggest miss this season? Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I have so much in best ball. I have so much in my leagues. I have him in our dynasty league, Boone. And he's either been hurt or you can make the case that not that productive when he's been on the field. So <laughs> I was massively overweight on, on Edwards Hilaire and it just, it has not panned out this year. So I'll, I'll own the L, absolutely own the L on him. Yeah, I'll make you feel better. I'll, I'll throw mine out there. I think mine would be LaVisca Cheneau. And it seemed like everything was working out for him, even with DJ Shark kind of getting injured and moving out of the way and, and still nothing. We just didn't see it. But it's that the urban back effect. Back. I was just going to say, we'll blame that all on Urban Meyer, and next year when yes. he's not there, we'll see what happens. All right, who was your biggest hit? Well, I'm with the positive here. Who was your biggest hit? Maybe I'm going with the chalk here, but it's Cooper Cup. I was out in the street screaming for people to draft him, saying that he was being drafted too low. 
And this is not shade at Bob Woods, but I was never about that life. I was like, look, Cooper Cup is the unquestioned wide receiver one for this team, and he's going to crush. He's my highest rostered player in best ball this year. I will absolutely own the W on Cooper Cup. And you have CH in that dynasty league we're in together. You also have Cooper Cup. And I know that because at one point in the season, I was desperately trying to get him away from you and you would not trade him to me. So you hung on there. All right. I'm going to call the show. That's it. That's all for today. Make sure you're checking out Debro's content over at FTN. Make sure you're listening to him on the Fade the Chalk podcast. And I'll give you that Twitter handle one more time at Debro underscore FFB. Dude. You know how I feel, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I probably shouldn't say this, but it's probably pretty evident by now. You are my favorite guest. I always love talking to you, whether it's on the air, off the air, Twitter threads, DMs, trade talks, whatever it is. So keep crushing it. Good luck over the last stretch here. And I can't wait to do this again once, twice, three times in 2022. Hell yeah, Spoon. Thank you for having me, man. This is a blast. It's always a good time for us to hop on here and talk football. So Really appreciate you having me. Good luck in the playoffs, man. I know I'm not making it in that dynasty league, but others are. So good luck to them, man. We're not gonna we're not gonna litigate that here. I, I talked about that a little bit. I think uh, on Monday's show, <laughs> there's one league where I did not make the playoffs, and it is that dynasty league. And it was just tragic the way that I missed out. But uh, I'm not gonna go over that one more time. So we'll just call it there. Uh, as for us over at the score, my final trade value chart went up Wednesday morning. Uh, basically rest of the season rankings at this point, but it's my final one. So we did it as a playoff edition. After this, we're just going to focus week to week. So that version is up now and I'll have my updated week 15 rankings up on Thursday with all this COVID stuff. I'm not looking forward to updating all of that. Going to be a ton of changes in there. So make sure you check that one out. But until then, big thanks again to Mr. Derek Brown. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening and we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time